Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Latino card. I'm Nicole. I'm Rebecca De Leon. And I'm JG Saldana. So today we're going to be talking about something that you've probably heard about in the news a lot. It's about the 2020 census and a specific question that is possibly going to be added um, about asking respondents about their citizenship. So we have with us um, Antonio, and he's going to introduce himself and tell us um, who he is. But you should know that he's going to probably be a regular guest on the podcast, Yay. and he's going to tell you why, what his specialty is. So, Antonio... <laughs> Hello, my name is Antonio Hernandez. I'm the Voting Rights Associate at Conservation Voters for Idaho. And a lot of the work that I focus on uh, at Conservation Voters for Idaho is around voting rights, voter education, voter outreach. That's especially important here in Idaho because we have a growing population of about 13% Latinx. Should I say Latino? Sorry. You can <laughs> no, say you can whatever, say whatever you, want. you want. You can say Latinx. <laughs> we we talked about permission. that already. Okay. <laughs> It's just like the term I feel more comfortable with, uh, try to be okay. as inclusive as possible. And so, like I was saying, we have a growing population here in Idaho in the Latinx community. And we know that it's not a cultural norm for Latinos and, and Latinas in Idaho to be part of our democratic process. I know that when I was growing up here in Idaho, I felt pretty alienated when I was younger. I didn't feel like I was being welcomed to that system, to that process. And so it's it's a big passion of mine to um, reach out to folks, have that conversation, that first conversation of, you know, why you should be out there voting, why, you sh why it makes our democracy stronger, and how ultimately that leads us to protect what makes Idaho special, which is our montañas, you know, our mountains, our rivers, our lakes, our hot springs, um, being able to just go out to a park and cook some carne asada and I mean yeah, for different people I, I'm sure it's different but um, that's one of the things that we have here in Idaho that's really special and so if we're going to preserve this for future generations we need to make sure that we're keeping it um, safeguarded you know like we're keeping it protected from any kind of threat. Can I ask a quick question? So sure. I know um, Latinos as a, as a community, as a culture, we care very deeply about environmental issues, but we do not care very deeply about civic engagement, typically. I mean, obviously, this is always generally speaking. Um, so how did, how is it received when you do go out to the houses and you're knocking doors and you're doing all that grassroots work and you knock on the doors and you tell them all of that? Do they receive it well? Or are they... Do they, are they, do they respond actively and positively to the idea of becoming more civically engaged to protect their environment? You know, it really varies. Like, the Latino community is very diverse. Mm -hmm. We have people from Mexico. We have people from South America. We have people from really all over. And so there are different responses. But generally speaking, it's kind of a generational thing where young people are very excited to talk about voter registration and voting in our elections, having a voice at the table. I think that there are also some folks from, let's call them OG, <laughs> in the OG community who have been doing the work for years, trying to get Latinos and Latinas to vote here in Idaho. But sometimes when I do speak to older folk, it's a little bit harder to have that conversation. Um, one, because it's been so long since anybody has even talked to them about voting here in Idaho. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it's like they're having the conversation for the first time again. And there, there are a lot of questions. Sometimes 
you know, because what we specifically try to do is give information in a nonpartisan way, we can't really get into like the candidates and who people should vote for. And so what the conversation ends up being most of the time is about the only way we have a strong democracy where where our values are being represented in the state house and nationally is if we claim that space for our own. And that means, you know, if you are an eligible citizen of this country, then you have the constitutional right to be part of our democracy. And so it's it's a little bit more about giving people a, a opportunity to be more involved in the community in ways that they can actually like see an effect um, locally more than like trying to say like, oh yeah, you should be um, voting in this election because we're going to be deciding the president. Uh, I'm like having a lot of different thoughts, but um, the, the, the way to likely summarize everything is to say that um, there's a lot of energy with young people and there are a lot of folks who have been doing this work for a long time that um, continue to do this work. And when, when, it, when it comes to solving some of the issues that are directly affecting the Latino community, we have to feel that it is our space and our right to be at the ballot box voting. And something else that we should definitely know is that, you know, you're talking about a lot of people who have been doing the grassroots work, you know, in the area of voting rights. But right now, you're possibly the only, like, paid associate for one of these um, political engagement groups focusing on the Spanish-speaking population, on the Latino population in Idaho, even though they're the biggest minority group in Idaho. So I think that's pretty significant and definitely why um, we're going to be asking Antonio's opinion on a lot of things coming up because he's doing some really interesting work that not a lot of people are Mm -hmm. doing in Idaho. Let's talk a little bit about this census 2020 and the citizenship question. So just a little bit of a recap. Wilbur Ross, who runs the Commerce Department, which is the census, he uh, took a Department of Justice request to add a question to the 2020 census asking respondents about their citizenship and why this matters and why this immediately put some people in an uproar is because the census does not count, is not meant to count just citizens of the United States. It is meant to count residents of the United States where they're living at the time. Like, for example, they count soldiers in the armed forces where they are overseas. It matters where you are at the time because it's used for all sorts of things like determining um, how much federal funding you get for certain programs, um, how much funding you get for roads. Um, and of course, it also has a is a big part of the enforcement of the Voting Rights Act, which ensures that citizens who are part who have language needs that are not English have the right to um, be able to vote and get voting information in their first language. So there's a lot riding on this. Um, we wanted to talk to Antonio about what does this mean? Why does this matter to Idaho in particular? Right. That was actually a really great summary. Um, you kind of hit a lot of the, the points. <laughs> Stole your points. No, I'm it's sorry. okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking specifically about language accessibility, when voters want to make informed decisions, they need to have information in the language that they feel most comfortable in. And that's something that is a civil rights issue that when you mentioned the the Civil Rights Act of 1965, that is a a section that was added there later specifically to address if a large group of people need language assistance 
for election materials. They use census data to make that decision. And what we found in Lincoln County this last election was that they did qualify to have election materials translated to Spanish. And so that was then available to that county. You know, here in Idaho, like I mentioned, we have a large growing Latinx community, and that's mostly around Caldwell and Canyon County as a whole. And so we really feel that, you know, folks need to have information in the language they feel most comfortable in so that they can make the best informed decision. And we do expect, because it's growing in Canyon County, that the community need for that will happen. Um, the citizenship question is like a barrier for folks to then be able to get that because it it makes folks less willing to give information because of the factor around fear. I mean, I can point to conversations that I, I've had with folks, specifically in Spanish, folks who became citizens later in life. And so, you know, their their language is their first country's language, their, their country of origin. And so... If these folks are to be welcome to participate in our system, we need to make sure that they are actually able to read the material. And adding things to the census, like a citizenship question, um, I just don't see how it's not a barrier uh, for folks to participate and for agencies to get that funding that's that they desperately need. Well, I'm seeing, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are citizens but are just offended with that question. And it's not just Latinos that are saying that. I've heard it from, you know, all kinds of folks saying that, that question is just offensive and they are like not wanting to fill it out. And I get their frustration. I really do. But at the same time, I'm like, we need people to fill out the census because of the funding that comes along with it, with the correct numbers. Well, and all, and all three of you guys have, you know, a lot of experience with the Latino community, especially the Canyon County Latino community, which is, you know, people assume is going to qualify um, for these, you know, Voting Rights Act requirements, you know, unless something like the citizenship question would change those counts. I mean, so can you break, Antonio talked about it a little bit, but like, can you break down, like, what is this fear? Why, why would someone who is a citizen or who isn't a citizen but is maybe here legally and is and is you know is fine would have a problem with with providing that information to the census. I think a lot of it has to do with the current administration, not trusting the current administration. Um, I think anybody of most people of color have an issue with that question because um, one, it's supposed to count everybody. It's not supposed to be counting just a certain group of people. I think putting that question in was deliberate and it was deliberately put in there to I think scare people away that's what I think well when um, the federal judge maybe the first one I don't remember which one but when they when they struck down this question um, they mentioned that you know in regard to federal USC section who knows what I don't remember all the details but when they mentioned it they said that trying to put it on there was arbitrary and I thought that was a really powerful word. It was arbitrary. It wasn't rooted in anything. And so, you know, knowing what we know about this current administration and all of the anti-immigrant and, you know, especially anti-Mexican sentiment that the 
current president has been spewing. You know, the fact that a federal court found it arbitrary to even try and put this on the census, I think essentially speaks volumes about where it came from. Do we even know why they wanted to put that question on? I think we know why. It's a it was a Department of Justice request, but also it's worth noting that the Commerce Secretary is also testifying before the House Judiciary Committee, I can't remember the full name, about why, because there are doubts about the purposes behind um, this question. But another thing I want to ask, too, that's you know been pointed out to me as I've been doing my research on this is there is a citizenship question on the American Community Survey that's conducted annually and is obviously not the official census, but can one of you guys possibly speak to, if you can't, that's okay, (laughs) but possibly speak to, you know, why, why is this different? The census, you're supposed, you're counting everybody. It's not supposed to be count just a certain group of people. You're supposed to be able to count everybody on the census. And by asking that question, you're putting a roadblock on there. Yeah. And just kind of to build on that whole roadblock concept, what a lot of people don't realize is Latino households are often mixed status. And so you often don't have every single person there that is a citizen. Sometimes you have somebody who's a legal permanent resident, someone who's DACA, someone who um, is there on a visa. And so when you have a mixed status family, there's a lot of fear around, are they going to end this program specifically for my aunt or this other program that could put my uncle in jeopardy? And so that dynamic in a family is really hard to navigate because it's your family. How can you risk or why would you be willing to risk the safety of your family members? Um, And so I think that's where a lot of that fear comes from. And so as we talk about this question and the importance of the census, I think we also have to recognize that the importance of the census and wanting to to be counted is because in in a really simple sense, we all do count, you know, we all matter a lot, regardless if we are documented or soon to be citizens um, or already citizens. And so I just wanted to. to we all contribute that. to our communities. Yes. Well, and, and on that, so let's say, uh, well, you know, let's talk about what's at stake with, for Idaho in particular, with adding a citizenship question. Let's say it's approved. Um, Supreme Court says it's fine. A citizenship question is added to the census. And let's say it does do what many experts are predicting, which creates an undercount in the Latino community in particular. Honestly, I think it would do an undercount in other communities as well. But speaking just on the Latino, it would. I think think about um, like the rural communities that have a lot of their agricultural workers um, not filling that out. I mean, it would just do a big injustice. It would just be a huge injustice to Idaho as a whole. Well, and when we're talking about, you know, the growth of Idaho, and JJ, you can definitely speak to this because the um, Hispanic Commission just released the report on Hispanics in Idaho. Yes. Um, you know, how much of Idaho's growth in the last 10 years has been the Hispanic community? We're, well, we're, I think we're the ones that are showing the most growth out of all the other communities out there. Um, and the thing is, and I've talked about this before, is we're a young population. 
And so our population is going to continue to grow. The schools are already seeing the growth more so than the general public. If you look at schools, and I know you've been looking into the school population, you're going to see some schools that, you know, their population doesn't show up, but their school population is at 60, 70 percent Latino. And so that just shows that our, in 10 years, you know, a lot of these students that are in school right now, they're going to be voting age they're going to be um you know out there so it's it's we're we're still a sleeping giant we're, we right now hit the snooze button but i think in about 10 years we're going to be waking up well and why why should it matter to people in idaho that we're that this you know this census and the citizenship question might create um might create you know not an accurate count of what the latino population in idaho particularly looks like why does it matter well, it matters. Funding is a big thing. And it goes across, like you were talking about roads, bridges, all that stuff. But also, for a lot of agencies that rely on grants, they need to have an accurate count. And a lot of these grants rely on the census numbers. For example, I know the last census, the LGBT community, LGBTQ community wanted to be included in the census. And a lot of people are like, why? You know, And the reason was for grants. They knew that they needed to have somebody that they can count on for accurate numbers of their population to make sure that um, they're counted when they apply for grants. So I think a lot of grants, a lot of schools rely on grants that they apply for as well, um, not just local grants, but federal grants. Uh, there's a lot of nonprofits that rely on those on grant money, and there's a lot of state agencies that rely on state money. So it's not just a certain group. A lot of people are going to be relying on those grants. But I think, again, going back to um, the sleeping giant, I really do think that um, th- these kids are going to remember how they were being treated before they were allowed to vote and so that's going to be they're going to not be happy and they're going to be voting a whole different way so i know that a lot of legislators i've seen who weren't always very kind to our population but have seen their um Hispanic populations grow in their districts have had a change of heart on how they feel about the latino community and so we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in about 10 years i'm pretty sure of it so when it comes, like going back to the voting rights side of things, we've seen that um, there are several places that will not provide for Spanish-speaking citizens to vote, voting materials, anything like that, unless they are constitutionally mandated, which comes from census data. So, for example, in Canyon County, in the November 2018 election, um, they were telling poll workers that they were not allowed to speak Spanish to voters because of a imaginary state law that does not exist that supposedly banned um, poll workers speaking in anything but English. They changed that around, but by that time, I think the the count was you know seven thousand people had already early voted in Canyon County where this was occurring, and so that means there's definitely a possibility that people like Spanish speaking citizens or citizens who are more comfortable voting and you know doing very making very difficult decisions in their first language spanish weren't able to get necessarily their didn't have the voting rights and so i don't know antonio can you talk a little bit about you know why that's concerning um and i don't know like after the change did you see any kind of you know difference as far as latino turnout in um in canyon county i mean you you basically nailed Again, <laughs> you, you nailed a lot of it, points. a lot of it on the head. And it and it really comes down to like we had talked about earlier, people feeling like they know what they're voting on, like they know what's on the ballot. When I voted um, this past election, I looked at the ballot initiative languages, which there were two of them. They contained language that was pretty high 
up there like mm-hmm. when it when it comes to reading level comprehension ten dollar words yeah like like grad school level in my opinion what election officials sometimes ask people to do is to bring their own translators or to bring their own um, translations that's something very difficult to do um, so when it comes to to voting rights it's very difficult to find that kind of assistance in the community that can translate that kind of language. And so we really do hope that the state sees this as an issue that needs to be addressed so that folks just know what they're voting on, Um, not necessarily needing to be federally mandated and told that they have to do this. Yeah, and if I can kind of jump in really Mm -hmm. quick, that is a very complicated and important note because there's a difference between translating in order to because somebody told you to and you're just like okay whatever and you google translate it i mean i think we had a situation recently where i tweeted a sign that was posted in nampa that said violators will be towed but they translated violators into violadores which doesn't mean violators in spanish it means rapists (laughs) and they quietly took it down apologized to nobody didn't even give me credit for just so you know who this was it was the nampa school district it was the nampa school district Anyway, so there, but there's a difference between Google translating some crap because somebody got mad at you and providing, settle down. (laughs) (laughs) There's a difference between that and then providing what is considered meaningful access. So the Civil Rights Act of 1965, also the same year as the Voting Rights Act, provided that any uh, entity that that receives federal funding must comply with um, non-discrimination laws, which means that if you receive any, even if a portion of your funding comes from the federal government, you have to provide your, whatever it is that you're providing, you have to provide it in a meaningful way that people can access it, which means that you cannot discriminate based on age, race, national origin, and under national origin, there is language. It doesn't matter if, you know, so-and-so comes from Mexico or Iraq and uh, English is not their native language you if it is federally funded you are obligated to provide it to them in a meaningful way and a meaningful language access is different than Google Translate and Google Translate does not hold up to the same level as meaningful access and so it is important to point out that the the reason that some officials gave when this came out of like poll workers were told not to speak Spanish they they said we didn't do that because we can't provide meaningful access. And so it is it is worth noting that we deserve meaningful access. If you can't provide it, find a way to provide it, figure out how to make it work. Well, especially since, um, you know, we're not talking about 10 people here. Right. When we're talking about Canyon County, we're talking about a quarter of that county identifies as Latino or Hispanic. That's a quarter of the county. That's a significant population. In some parts of the county, we're talking 40, 50 percent of that of that area, of that voting precinct of people who are going to come in and need access, identify as Latino and Hispanic and are more likely to have Spanish needs. And it's not really feasible to assume that they can take their 10-year-old daughter out of school and come and translate for them, which is... Right was one of the suggestions, you know, and what? I, and, yeah, and I, and I, un, but, you know, I understand, you know, the county, you know, the count as a government agency, they have to worry a lot about being sued, about causing issues, about, you know, and voting is always going to, voting in polls and anything involving poll, worker, poll workers is always going to be a very contentious issue because it's, you know, 
it's one of the, the single most important thing we do in our democracy. And so you understand why they wary. But also, maybe if your county is 25% Latino, you should be doing everything you can to hire people who are bilingual and speak Spanish. It's and just we're good not, customer service. We're, we're not asking for special treatment. That's what we no. always get accused of. It's like, oh, well, you guys need special treatment. You want everything catered to you. And it's like, no, we are asking for equal access. All we want is a ballot that we can understand. It's something that you already have if you speak English. But if you don't and you still have a right to vote, as Antonio was saying, whether you're a, you become a citizen later in life, maybe it'll take you a while to get to this high level area of understanding we are asking for equal access we are not asking for extra we are not asking for anything that shouldn't that we don't already deserve well said especially since again english is not the national language the no, united states does not have a national language if we had a national language and it was english this would be a different conversation right but we're we're America is a nation of immigrants. It's a multicultural nation. It's a multilingual nation. And that's, that's why beautiful. That's why it's in the Constitution this way. That's why it's in the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. This I really way. wish you would have written that's that right. down because that's beautifully said right there. Yes. <laughs> well, it will be recorded for posterity, <laughs> JJ. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when we look at the history of voting in the U.S., um, it didn't start with this idea that we were going to include everyone. That fight happened over the course of many years, but it really wasn't that long ago. Um, 1965, when language access became the law of the land, that was... Not that long ago, you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, I was born in the 90, in 90 but, um, you know, that's like my... Okay. Is that my grandma? No, I mean, definitely my grandma my was dad. alive. My dad. But yeah, my parents. Just like outside my, my mom uh, when she was born. And so when we look at the history, it's it's always been a struggle to make it more inclusive to make our democracy stronger but that's the trajectory that um, we've gone and those are some really hard-fought battles that have basically landed us to, to this day where we believe that everybody who is a citizen in this country should be participating in our democracy because it makes it stronger here here yeah so i'm so glad you were here for this because I'm, I want our audience to really get to know who Antonio is because he's going to continue to come back, I hope. Yeah. If he likes us, we don't know yet. It's we'll cool. bribe him. Y'all are right. Uh, <laughs> so if we're wrapping up, so I just wanted to give like a quick bit of information. If anybody out there is wanting to get more involved in the census, you can join your local Complete Count Committee. Uh, Complete Count Committees are a new program created by the Census Bureau to raise awareness in communities all across the country. And so there are different organizations uh, getting together, a lot of nonprofits, to create these Complete Count Committees and so that we can have an accurate census. And you can get more general information, any Latinos out there that want more general information about the census, at www.naleo.org forward slash census and that stands for national uh, association of latino elected and appointed officials dot org and how does how do we get a hold of you if we want to have go door knocking well you can reach me directly um my my email address uh is antonio at cvidaho.org that's uh, c as in carlos v as in victor <laughs> i as in idaho and then just the rest of idaho dot org <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty much all we had today. 
thank you so much, Antonio, for coming to talk with us. We had decided to just jump right into several very heavy topics for one of our first episodes. So this that's right. This is what you can expect from this, people. So welcome yeah. to the team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. I'm, I'm, let's get deep. Let's get deep <laughs> on this program. Oh, no. <laughs> I love this. So that's pretty much it for us from the Latino card. We're recording here in um, Radio Boise Studios, and we're super excited to come back many more times to talk about the things um, that matter to Latinos in Idaho. And yeah, make sure you subscribe. You can find us almost anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter where we are all very active. Um, it is at the Latino card. Um, so thanks so much, guys. Gracias. <laughs> that was perfect. See ya. <laughs>